2: God forbid, you know, if any of us miss out on the rapture of the church and have turned their back upon God, you will stand before this great white judgment throne of Jesus Christ. If you didn't use the knowledge and the wisdom of Jesus Christ that you possess and and really never followed through with making that commitment, but rather you were just going through the motions. Listen, when you stand before the Lord, you're not gonna be able to give any excuses.
0: If you leave children unattended for a little bit and come back to find a big mess, who's held most accountable? Those they should know better, right? The younger children generally won't face as severe consequences as the older, more mature kids. We could expect a similar thing for the judgment of mankind. As Pastor Mike will explain in today's message, those who were given more chances and understood the gospel, yet still chose to reject Christ, will receive a harsher judgment. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, as he continues his message, The Great White Throne.
1: I remember what you said
2: The attack is against Christ's throne. Said in the city of Jerusalem, notice the reference to the beloved city. The beloved city is Jerusalem. Notice there in verse 9. Well, anyway, this assault is quickly ended. God sends fire down uh, from heaven, and this uprising is totally uh, destroyed. There are those who come against uh, God deceived by the devil, is absolutely devoured. And then without further delay, Satan is cast into the lake of fire. Notice there in verse 10. And he's there with his accomplices, the Antichrist and the false prophet. And also notice that he is tormented there night and day forever and ever. Listen, gang, forever and ever is a long time, isn't it? The one who has brought untold sorrow and suffering to all mankind must now suffer for all eternity without relief. So that's the second event that I wanted to draw your attention to here. Now, the final event here in this chapter, and this brings us to our third point, is the resurrection of uh, sinners, also known as the second resurrection. All right, let's go back to our text, verses 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne, and Him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, by the things which were written in the books." Now the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades, or hell, delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of uh, fire. Okay, so... These verses before us are among the most solemn anywhere recorded for us in the Bible. They tell us of that dread and final judgment that is the great white judgment throne of Jesus Christ. Okay, so this morning, let's take a closer look at this event. First of all, I want you to notice it is called a great throne, the great white throne of Jesus Christ. It is called a great throne. Now, why is that? Well, because the sinners, and I want to emphasize this, sinners, not believers, but sinners who stand before it have rejected a great salvation. And thus now they have to stand before a great judge to listen to their final sentence. Also, it is called, notice, in the further description of this throne... A white throne. Why is that? Because everything connected with this throne will be righteous and uh, true. Let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. And the idea here is that Jesus is judging those who have rebelled against God. In the ninth Psalm, in verses 7 and 8, we have a prophetical announcement concerning this event. But the Lord shall endure forever. He has prepared His throne for judgment. He shall judge the world in righteousness and he shall administer judgment for the peoples in uprightness. And then also as another cross-reference from the book of Romans in chapter 2 in verse 5, also uh, describing this event for us, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath, and revelation of the righteous judgment of uh, God. Listen, the treatment the unsaved receive here at the great white judgment throne of Jesus Christ will be just and fair. You know, going back to chapter 19, just quickly, in verse 2, remember there in heaven, as God is purging the earth and judging the earth, and there comes this chorus uh, from heaven that declares in chapter 19 and verse 2, for true and righteous are His judgments. Listen, there's no question in heaven as to the fairness of God. You know, so many people, you you've, you've hear the conversations, you hear people talking about, you know, calling into suspect whether or not God is fair it goes something like this. If God is such a righteous God, a fair God, why has he allowed all of these things to take place upon the earth? Why is this taking place? Why is that taking place? Why has God allowed this to come into my life? Why do people have to suffer? Well, listen, all of those things are the result of sin. God isn't the initiator of those things. Listen, whatever God does, you can be sure that God is fair. And so there's no question concerning the fairness of God uh, there in uh, heaven. So the treatment, the unsaved receive will be just and fair. So the greatness and the whiteness then are suggestive of power and purity as it relates to that uh, throne. Now notice in verse 11, we are told there, and he that sat upon it. Okay, so who's sitting upon this throne? Well, it is the eternal God, the perfect judge. And I believe that it's Jesus himself. He will be the judge, which is the logical conclusion. I mean, think about it. It is he who opens the seals. Remember back in chapter 6 and verse 1? It is he who treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God according to chapter 19 and verse 15. I mean, no one is better suited or qualified than Jesus for this task. Having done all that he could do to save man, he is the one whom those who rejected him must now face as judge. But notice the further descriptions here. Let's go back to our text in verse 11 from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And so this awesomeness of this throne and the one who is seated upon it are so great that even the heaven and earth flee. Now, I gotta gotta say, I do not know all that is involved in this phrase that's recorded there for us in that text, the earth and the heaven fled away. So for me to give my own opinion is simply and merely uh, speculative. But in that day, all mystery will have cleared away and we shall know exactly what this refers to. But then also, verses 12 and 13, we are told, and I saw the dead. Now this would be the uh, unbelieving dead. And I saw the dead small and great, Uh, so whatever their position was in life, rich or poor, educated, uneducated, uh, whatever position uh, they have uh, in their life's experience, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they are the judged. That is, the rest of the dead, which is mentioned in verse 5 of chapter 20. Do you see that there in verse 5? The rest of the dead. But again, I want to emphasize, it is important to note that there are no saved among them. They are the wicked dead. And they are raised to appear at this last judgment. Again, this is known as the second resurrection. Remember last time we were talking about the first resurrection? The first resurrection would have included the Old Testament saints who died in in faith, and then they went into that holding place known as Abraham's bosom. And remember, we are told that uh, after Christ's uh, death on the cross, before he ascended unto the Father, he ascended into the lower parts of the earth, according to the book of Ephesians, and he preached the same gospel I'm preaching uh, to you this morning. And then he led those who were held in that place of Abraham's uh, bosom, out of that captivity into the very presence of God himself in heaven, okay? So that, for the Old Testament saints, was their first resurrection. And then all of believers who died by natural causes, when they die, let's say, for example, God forbid, but if any of us should pass before the rapture of the church, you go immediately into the presence of the Lord. Because Paul tells us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So that would be your resurrection, okay? And then also we have those who are actually uh, a part of the rapture of the church. For them, that's their resurrection, okay? And then the uh, the tribulation saints who are martyred for their faith in Christ, who do not take the mark of the beast, they when they're killed, when they're martyred for their faith, when they're beheaded as is indicated here in the book of Revelation because they won't take the mark of the beast. They also immediately go into the presence of the Lord. That's their first resurrection. So do you see there are two different resurrections, the first and the second. All believers have part in the first resurrection. And those, we are told, the second death has no power over them. Now, we'll get to that second death in, in, in a moment and what that refers to and what's involved uh, with all of that. But once again, it is important to note that there are no saved among them. They are the wicked dead, raised to appear at the last judgment, again known as the second resurrection. Small, great, they're all lost, having never turned to God for salvation. Their bodies are brought forth from every depository that holds their dust whether they are in the sea or in the earth. No matter where they are, all ranks and degrees of unsaved sinners standing before this great white judgment throne of Jesus Christ. Now, let me further break this down for you. Notice the references here, first of all, to death. And here, that refers to the graves of the earth which holds the bodies. Okay, so when you, when you die by natural causes, you're put into the, the ground. Well, that body that's put into the ground will actually rise and stand, and you will stand in that body before Jesus Christ. And then also notice, we are told, and Hades also gives up their dead, that is hell. And that refers to the abode of the soul and the spirit. So your body goes into the earth, your body goes into the grave, but your soul and your spirit goes into Hades. But in both cases, they yield up their uh, victims. So they are two distinct places having custody to some part of man between death and the second resurrection. And so the resurrection of the wicked dead will be a literal bodily resurrection Resurrection, which necessitates the spirit and soul returning to the body. Now, did I clear that up? Did I explain that? You got it? Okay, people are confused about this. Understandably so. So I hope I explained it where you can understand it. Now, let's go back to our text. Notice there in verse 12. Let's read that one more time. Verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God... And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead was judged, now this is the unbelieving dead, was judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Okay, so this verse speaks of books and also the book of life. They are two different things. The books reference probably has to do with the record of the unbelievers' works. Because notice also there in verse 12, the reference to, they will be judged according to their works. Whereas the book of life, which is completely different, has in it the names of all who will be saved. Now I'm hoping and trusting that all of you have your names written in the book of life. In fact, in a couple of different places throughout the scriptures, we are told that our names have been written in the book of life before the foundations of the uh, world. And uh, so with your name in that book, you have the assurance that you're going to be with the Lord for all of eternity. So these books, the one validates the others. So folks, God, the point is here is that God, interestingly enough, keeps books. And those books will be absolutely accurate. Now, the purpose of the books and the sentence pronounced upon the wicked is to determine the various degrees of punishment in the lake of fire. And yes, there are different degrees to the way that the unbeliever is going to suffer as they are cast into the lake of fire. I don't know if you knew that or not. Let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. In Luke's gospel, in chapter 12, in verses 47 and 48. And that servant who knew... This is Jesus speaking, and he uses this story to make this point. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. And so there are different degrees of punishment in the lake of fire. Matthew's Gospel in chapter 11, verses 20 through 24, then he began, that is Jesus, then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Cheruzin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. That is the inhabitants of those cities. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. So again, The purpose of the books and the sentence pronounced upon the wicked is to determine the various degrees of punishment in the lake of fire. And so, yes, there is different degrees, if you can imagine that. Oh, boy, this could cause us to be extremely careful. I mean, think about what a bunch of privileged characters we are. I mean, week in and week out, we come into this facility or online and, and uh, under the circumstances and we are taught the word of God and uh, we are encouraged and exhorted and warned in the word of God. And uh, we, should, you know, we should know better than anyone else, right? Because of the knowledge that we do possess. And it's true. To whom much is given, much is required. And God forbid... You know, if any of us miss out on the rapture of the church and have turned their back upon God, you will stand before this great wide judgment throne of Jesus Christ. If you didn't use the knowledge and the wisdom of Jesus Christ that you possessed and, and really never followed through with making that commitment, but rather you were just going through the motions, listen, when you stand before the Lord, you're not going to be able to give any excuses you're not going to be able to declare, "Hey, listen, I was a member, a card carrying member, not that we have a formal membership here, but you know, you're not going to offer as an excuse before God, I was a member of Harvest Christian Fellowship there in Manhattan or Pastor Mike Fenizio or Jose Rivera or my pastors. Listen, that's not going to wash with the Lord, right? All of the excuses are going to be blown away. It all comes down to whether or not your name is written in the book of life. And so go back to verse 15 now. Let's go back to our text there in the book of Revelation. And notice what it says, that final verse. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of uh, fire. Gang, listen. This is a literal place. That is the lake of fire. I do not know where it is, but it is a place of punishment and torment. It is eternal in duration. Notice there, according to verse 10, it's painful. Jesus told us in Mark's Gospel in chapter 9 in verse 44, it's where the worm does not die, and the fire is never quenched. And listen, as I read this section, I think how awful, because this is going to be the fate of untold numbers of people. And this morning, I am only encouraged by the fact that there are millions of redeemed persons who will spend eternity with God. i got to tell you something. I would like to believe that there is no such place as the lake of fire. But the Bible depicts it clearly, and Jesus spoke often of it. If you're not right with the Lord to call upon Him, to call upon Jesus as the Savior. Do it now and receive Him. In John's Gospel in chapter 6, in verse 37, Jesus said, And he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out.
1: In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house. Where I love
0: to be. Oh, my heart. That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. We're so glad you joined Pastor Mike today to study the book of Revelation, the final book in the Bible. If you'd like to listen to more, just visit our website, harvestnyc.org. You can also subscribe to the In My Father's House with Mike Fenizio podcast. Just search for it on your favorite podcast platform. We'd love for you to join us for worship this weekend at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet at 11 a.m., and you can reserve your seat online by clicking on contact at harvestnyc.org. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're just unable to attend in person right now, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time of studying God's Word. We're live streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to catch up with previous messages, check out our services through our Vimeo link, or you can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Links to all these are available at our website, HarvestNYC.org. Before we end our time with you, we'd like to give you the opportunity to partner with us in this ministry. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting In My Father's House? Donations of any size can be made securely on our website, HarvestNYC.org. Thanks for praying about this. And thanks for joining us today on In My Father's House.